Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Is down 874 an ounce to $1,622.60. 630 Chad weather, a mix of sun and cloud today, the high 8. Possible flurries tonight, low minus 5. 60% chance of flurries tomorrow, the high minus 5. Cloudy on Sunday, the high 0. In Edmonton, it's minus 4. I'm Eileen Bell. Your next scheduled news at 1.30 on 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. And welcome back everybody. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer joining you. Winners Now is brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Digitex is your all-in-one convenient location at digitex.ca. Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Again, you can reach us on a River Cree Resort Casino hotline at 780-496-0063. Text us. I'm going to get to a couple texts before I bring Mark Spector in for the horses and horse racing in Alberta. Uh, Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. Ashley Fine Floors providing you winning results for over 35 years. You can tweet us at Oilers Now. Tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer. Tweet Brendan at Brendan Escott. All right, very quickly. Um, this text comes in. Teflon Don says, Bob, I agree with you. Western Canadians have a legitimate right to raise issue with any form of equalization. Albertans in particular have the right to feel this way. We have a history of being underappreciated even as we continue to prop up other provinces. Well, I wasn't 100% going that way. But I, what I, what I am saying is, the business might change to the point uh, that we could be going down a difficult path for all levels of sport. It's something that Brian Burke alluded to yesterday. Former defenseman Mark, when you talk about revenue sharing, you're completely getting into my sports passion. The game itself is starting to get back to a product that's exciting again, never mind the decade of darkness as an Oilers fan. This offseason, I I always find, the the offseason I always find exciting. It's a sign of rebirth and rejuvenation. The revenue sharing model has to be tweaked because it's quite frankly not working. Teams that take in revenue uh, sharing are outbidding teams that contribute uh, with money coming in from the teams that they're getting through revenue sharing. The difference in tax implications has to be accounted for. Failure to address uh, this uh, will result 
uh, in Canadian teams having greater challenges to win a Stanley Cup championship. Maybe or, or I'm overgeneralizing, but you get the point. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, there was, yeah, here we go. Another texter says, Bob, I don't know where you're going with the revenue sharing statement, but I agree, totally seeing, I could totally see teams in the future, adds the texter, suggesting that we might see Florida and Arizona. I mean, where I'm going with this is Florida's owners come out saying we are paying our employees. Florida, like Arizona, has received huge revenue sharing money over the last several years. The Montreal Canadiens have stated that they're cutting their employees. Montreal has been a huge contributor to revenue sharing for the last several years. Uh, Montreal also gets outbid all the time on players. And so therein lies the rub. And we have to, I think, in the future, facts in, uh, factor in tax advantages. And Alberta has tax advantages over the province of Quebec, as an example, when it comes to bringing... So it, just for fairness, and the, and the organization that I think gets hurt the most are the Montreal Canadiens. We'll bring aboard Mark Spector. Hi, Spec. How are you doing? Mark, you there? Pretty good goal there with Elliot, it sounded like. Well, he kind of... I don't know if he necessarily 100% understood where I was going. I, th I think it's great that Vinny Viola steps up and says, yeah, we're paying our employees. Uh, but pe people need to understand that the Panthers are collecting a different type of dollar than the Montreal Canadiens are. Uh, tax rates are higher in, in Quebec than in any other market in the National Hockey League. And Montreal, who have, I mean, what what, what is that building seat there, the Bell Centre? 20,000 people. Right. Plus, they've got the TV money coming in, not just from uh, English regional deal, but also, more importantly, the French regional deal. Yep. Uh, far be it for me, Mark, to go to bat for Quebec. But on this one, I'm kind of like, I, I, I think if we're going to, Mark, we're obviously headed down a path where we're going to have to reevaluate how we do some things moving forward. And there's going to be some tough times. We both know that's coming, right? We know that's coming in hockey. Sure. So why not look at tweaking in some challenges? Yes, does it drive me nuts as a guy in Edmonton who knows for a fact that Cal Nichols was told by the Hawks back 2000, 2004, you will not be outbidding me for players and outbidding me for personnel to see an organization like Arizona land Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall and spend right up against it to see Florida get Sergey Bobrovsky. They traded. They traded for Taylor Hall. Yes, they did. And they, they traded, traded for, for Taylor Hall. But they right. won the bidding and, and war to get those players. Whatever. Bidding war. It was a trade, right? Yeah. So there's no money involved. We'll see if they sign him or not. But, but do you think there's something to it? Do you think there's something to the fact that maybe the league... I guess what I'm saying is I think it has to be a little bit fairer for Canadian teams. Uh, uh, Bobby, I don't buy it for a second. Okay, well, that's how what makes good, good radio. How good is Florida? Has Florida ever been any good? All these advantages you state for Florida, are they ever any good? No. I'll answer my own question. They're not. Let's talk about Arizona. Is Arizona beat anybody ever? You know? Are they ever any good at all? Right? Arizona's a lousy team. They're a 10th place team as we speak, I think. And they're always a 10th place team. So in the end, sure, they've got a little money from revenue sharing. They also can't charge you more than about 40 bucks a ticket which doesn't even get you into Fort Hall in Edmonton, right? The guy in Montreal is charging 250 a seat. He's filling 20,000 seats a night. 
So so what if he gives a little money to Florida and Florida pays? Florida probably has a tenth of the employees that the Montreal Canadiens have. So Vinny Viola plays his employees. Big deal. Like I don't see the direct line between the revenue sharing check and the ability for Vinny Viola. Can to I be say, honest with you, Mark? I am surprised. The league has done a lot of things together, right? Case in point, the events this week with the, the captains of all the different teams around the league, right? Sure. They've done a lot. I am surprised there hasn't been a more unified, you know, all 31 teams having the same approach yep. to the situation. That's like baseball. Like baseball. Right? Baseball, I believe, did that. Did they not? I think every baseball team put in a million bucks or something. Um, I can tell you this. If Jeremy Jacobs is going to handle things the way he handled it, that's the reason, because he holds, as you well know, Bob, a ton of sway atop the uh, Board of Governors for the National Hockey League. So if, if Jeremy Jacobs says, I'm not paying my people, there will be no concerted effort and, and group group hug and paying all our employees. Uh, Jacobs is cheap, and that's why it wouldn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyhow, I, do you agree <laughs> or disagree with the following statement? Regardless of when we come back, we're going to have a different order with the National Hockey League. The business is going to be impacted and change. Well, sure, because you miss out on a couple billion dollars in revenue or whatever the number is going to turn out to be. But I don't, I don't see how it needs to be a long-term change. I, I don't see why. Tell me, tell me this. Tell me what, so you have a one-time loss of revenues. Let's make the assumption they get in 82 games next year in a regular season and keep these playoffs out of our conversation for now, Bob. What what will need to change other than let's hustle and try to make up that $2 billion, but why? What, what would you suggest has to change from this? Well, I, I, I just don't think the same, evalu- the same available revenue is going to be there. I don't. I have the concerns. Mark, did you hear Brian Burke on yesterday's show? I unfortunately did not. Okay. Uh, Brendan, if, uh, you're with me right now. Can you just put uh, – you'll have to put spec on hold here. But we're going to get to Brian Burke's comments about the challenges moving forward for the National Hockey League because I think there's a lot of credence to what uh, Brian had to say on yesterday's edition of the show. Hockey's not a sport in Canada. It's a cult. But I think even in Canada, we've got to be cognizant of of some you know potential landmines that how much disposable income are people coming back with? How much of the jobless rate is restored? You know, it's a, it's acute in Alberta. It's an acute problem in Alberta. Uh, unemployment and jobs leaving. It was already a desperate situation that got worse now, better, badly worse. So what kind of an economic world are we coming back to? How many of these jobs are going to be restored? How, how, how strong are the companies that buy sweets? It, it is really a moonscape. It's a landscape that no one's walked on and that we know. A couple of astronauts, I guess. But it's really uncharted territory. And so I think that the avidness and the desire for hockey, you see that people are suffering horrible withdrawal already. Like, like this is awful. And so yeah. I think I think there'll be pent up demand when we come back to play, whether that's you know in May or June or July. Uh, I think the initial response will be great, but I just I want to see what the economic landscape looks like when we come back. Who's got a check to write? Who has a check to write, Mark? You know, I I I'm quite concerned. Like we live in a market that loves this team, that supported this team. 
uh, through some very difficult times, some frustrating times for the fans that kept the building full. But, uh, you know, we have significant cha challenges on a provincial level with uh, one of the main industries in this province. Um, it's a different time. It's a different world. And I'm kind of with Berkey, and that's where I'm going here. Yeah, no, that is all fair, right? It is all fair. Uh, the, the, you know, let's talk about a changing landscape. Um, we all just assume in sports that a player, player A, signs his first contract, his next contract he gets a raise, his next contract he gets a raise, his next contract he gets a raise. Everyone gets a raise every contract. In the real world, uh, we, you know, we've gone from a time where you, when I broke in the business, there was sort of used to get that five percent raise, let's say every year or whatever it was, down to three percent. Uh, most, many, many people now not only are getting flat contracts, their second or third or fourth contract, Bob, they're getting, you know, certainly the public sector in a lot of cases are getting losing percentages, right? You know, ask teachers; they're making less today than they made. Nurses, I believe, have taken some pretty hard hits. So why is it in sports that every year you come back for tickets and they go up? And why is it in sports that every time the new coach gets signed down the street, he makes more than the last coach? And the new player gets every contract goes up. Why are sports different than real life, right? So I get what Berkey's saying. Real life's taking a hit here. And at some point, you know, at some point, uh, when when four of the top seats at Rogers Place, Bob, when I can go out and buy myself a 60-inch TV for what it costs me to take my family to the best seats at Rogers for one game, right, for one game, I can go buy myself a 58-incher that I can watch all year. That economic model will change, Bob, and people well, are looking at market, the dollar. I, I, look, I'm, I'm not naive to it. I believe there's going to be a market correction, but what I'd say to you is in a league that has a partnership between owners the way they do, mm -hmm. I wonder if the appetite to constantly be propping up what I would term as, like the Oilers were in deep financial uh, trouble when the Edmonton Investors Group took them over 2000, yes. you know, 1998 and around that time, and they got the Canadian Assistance Program for three years, which got us to the 0405 lockout. And that was the year you and me cut our teeth on that show. I mean, that was the year Total Sports really took off, which was the second year of the show. That was a battle that Gary Bettman fought for us, but in his wildest dreams, he would never have believed that Edmonton coming out of that year, starting in 0506, would have been a revenue contributor for basically every year but one. Mm -hmm. There's no way he would have thought that would have been the case. Right. But I wonder how much appetite would have been from the Hawks in the States, and I'll put Jacobs in that category, to be constantly propping up Edmonton year after year after year. And that's my point. We come out of this, and I wonder how much appetite there's going to be to be propping up the Arizonas. And I realize they got a new owner. Ah, they always have a new owner in Arizona, Bob, don't they? Uh, yes, they do. All right. All right. Can you uh, stand along? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. We'll throw it a break and then we'll get to some fun stuff when we get back. Absolutely. It's 118 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. 
This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 121 in Edmonton Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza's Mediterranean Chicken. Uh, horse racing, Alberta, of course, there's no uh, live racing right now. Uh, shut down for a while, but they'll be back on board on a full-time basis when we get up and running and get through this COVID-19 pandemic. Mark Spector has joined us. Spec, you're working on a uh, can we open up the kimono and uh, tell people what you're working on regarding the drafts since uh, yeah. the lockout? Listen, we're uh, all us writers are dying for things to write here. So we're doing a few things on our team's drafts, uh, draft success here. So I'm trying to identify the best and worst and interesting fi- uh, drafts since the uh, cap era, Bob, began. So we start with the 2005 draft. And you know what? You could answer a few of these. Like, I always kind of think of a player... If you draft a guy and he plays 100 NHL games, whether he plays them for you or someone else, the guy played, right? Is that fair, Bob? Is 100 games in the NHL tell you that, you know, you drafted a player? Yep. Keep going. Still there? Okay. Did you lose? Yep. No, I'm still there. So tell me this. Which draft year did you find was the best since we went to Caps? Which which draft year do you think the Orders drafted the most 100-game players going back to 05? Give me a guess. Jeez. Um, I'll go with 2011. Oh, you're close. 2010. 2010 uh, was the year that they drafted, obviously, Taylor Hall first overall. Tyler Tyler Pitlick played over 100 games. 248. uh, Martin Marinson. Yep. And Brandon Davidson, Bob. Was a sixth-round pick, 168th in that year. 2011, though, the Oilers got, for me, bigger bang for their buck because they got Nugent Hopkins and Clefbaum in that draft year. Both first-round players. So what I kind of try to sort out, like, you should do well in the first round, and they did. Clefbaum was a really nice pick at 19, man. That's a yep. that's a good drafting, right? But how about guys below round one, right? Like, that, to me, tells you how your scouts are. Anyone should be able to draft in the first well, round. Like, and they had an animated discussion, spec, between Boone Jenner and David Musil. And Musil won out. And Frank Musil recused himself from that conversation. Uh, and we don't – and the other thing is, you don't know the full parameters of who influenced what decision at what time. Oh, for sure. Right? Like, it's was, all there, hindsight, was there a time frame when Craig Simpson, as an assistant coach, went in with Craig McTavish's head coach and said, this is what we're looking for in a player, and these are the quadrants and how we do things. Yeah. And, you know, and, and suddenly you're valuing an Ethan Morrow more than you're valuing Alex Hemsky. I mean, I don't know if that occurs or it doesn't, but we, we don't know the full parameters of what I'll give you an example. The 2015 draft for me, Spec, yep. Stu McGregor got fired five days before that draft. Yep. Okay. He and his wife were already in Florida, and they fired Stu, and they fired Maury Gare. Well, Edmonton's fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth, and sixth-round picks all panned out. Caleb Jones in the fourth, Ethan Bear in the fifth, um, John Marino in the sixth. Shirelli and his U.S. scout were tied to the pick in the sixth round for Marino. I believe uh, Stu told me that uh, Scott Housen was the guy that pushed and fought the hardest for Caleb Jones in uh, in the fourth round. So and that's a, a I mean, the, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. So you get in that draft, sure, you pick McDavid first overall, right? And whatever. Um, I mean, that's a good pick, but everyone would have made it. For 
from 117 to 155, you get three guys. You get half of an NHL defense because Marino's going to be a top six defenseman here. He's playing real well in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, Bear's going to play. He's a top four defenseman already. And Caleb Jones, I think we can say, is probably going to play in the NHL for a little while here. So, you know, in the back half of the draft, they drafted three NHL defensemen that year. That is, you know, that's pretty good, right? That's all you ask your scouts. Yeah, well, Mark, what's happened here is what a difference seven months makes because the arrival of Ethan Bear and then Jones and Yamamoto halfway through the year has changed the complexion about how everybody thinks about what the Oilers are doing from an organizational perspective. Because there are... Oh, sure. Right? Because there are a lot of question marks on Yamamoto all the way up until he came here. And then when he came up here, people are like, geez, he's pretty good. Yep. Right? And people and the, and the naysayers out there forgot that they were naysayers. And in the case of Bear, hey, I'll be the first to admit, I'm stunned how good he's turned out based on where he was even a year earlier. And in Caleb Jones, you know, his rookie year in the AHL, those, you know, that was a troubling time for him. So... It's a very inexact science. I look forward to your piece. Just before uh, we let you go here, Mark. Mm-hmm. The genesis and the origin of the Oilers' great dynasty in the 1980s came to the forefront in the playoff series in 1981 against the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to get Brendan Escott to tweet out a link to the opening game of that, uh, of that series. You and me are roughly of the same vintage. So for all the guys out there that are late 40s, early 50s, they remember this. It was stunning to see Edmonton beat Montreal in three straight games, right? Nobody could have foreseen that coming. But guess what? If you actually watch the games today, in hindsight, it's not that stunning. (laughs) Right? Like, I think what what you missed, Bob... What you miss is the context, right? What was that? The Oilers, 80-81. So they played, was that their third season in the league? Second season in the league. They finished 14th. Second season. Okay, second season league. We were still so thrilled. Like, I was born in 65. I'm 16 years old in 81. Uh, in Edmonton, we were still so thrilled just to see that Habs jersey arrive and play games at Northlands Coliseum, right? Back then, it was a big deal. You know, when the Habs came to town, and it would might have been a Saturday night when they came, and like we were still in awe that we were in the same league with the fabled Montreal Canadiens. We'd all grown up at a time when we didn't have an NHL team, and we either cheered for Montreal or Toronto or Boston or Philly, or and you know, so so in, it, when we fight, we got to play them in a playoff series, and and oh my god here came that mighty Habs machine into Edmonton to actually play us in the National Hockey League playoff series the context was so it was still rare air for us here so not only didn't you think you could beat them because the orders had finished well below in the standings but you know just to be on the ice with them so when the orders whomped them three straight it was i mean it was like that was coming at you bob back in 1981 it came at you from another world we didn't think we'd be playing them and now we're sweeping them bob it was awesome stuff, and people forget the Oilers beat Montreal in late January that year at home, 9-1 at Northlands. Spec, we'll talk on Tuesday, okay? All right, Bobby, have a great weekend, everybody.
All right, there you have it. That's Mark Spector. Off to a global news weather traffic update. More COVID-19 pandemic coverage with Eileen Bell. We'll come back with a guy who had to shut his league down. Commissioner of the WHL, Ron Robinson. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.